Lined into left center, and what a play made by the rookie Brian O'Grady. Pitch. Oh, into right field. Brian O'Grady, first big league home run. Fly ball, center field struck well. Marisnik going back at the wall. Gone! Welcome back, Brian O'Grady. And welcome inside episode 88 of Breaking Bats, presented by Not For Long Media. My name is Justin Ayers, and I'm joined, as always, by Kate Maniscalco. Happy October playoff baseball. We're taping this on Tuesday. There's been four games going on today. Some of them are playing while we're taping this, so if you're listening tomorrow, apologies. But uh, it's going to be great. It's the best time of year. Kate, how are you? Happy playoff baseball. Happy playoff baseball. October is confirmed best month of the year by far. I'm so excited. I can't wait. I'm already happy because one of my picks were right for today. So I'm feeling, I'm feeling good. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's a long playoff. It's, it's the best mm-hmm. out of three. It's it no is. longer the one and done wild card round. Um, yes. So as, as much as that pains me, it is probably a good thing because some of my picks have not panned out. So uh, we will talk about that. Uh, but two quick sponsors to shout out and then we're going to get ripping and rolling Episode 88, uh, one of my all-time favorite clothing brands is Fuel Hunt. They make my favorite workout shirt. It's my favorite thing I own. Uh, it's a great American company. They're they out to restore the dignity of hard work. Uh, go check them out, fuelhunt.com. And last apparel sponsor shout-out is Shoreboy Clothing, equally as awesome. Fall is here, but you can still keep the essence of a summer at the Jersey Shore with Shoreboy Clothing Company. Visit them at shoreboy.co. Uh, all right, let's get into it. First, before we get into all of these games, Kate, do you, do you like the playoff schedule for television? Do you like the three o'clock? The it was like three, four thirty, seven, and eight. Feels kind of weird. I like it. I think it's good. I think they break it up nicely throughout the day. I mean, I would prefer that over them all going on at once at seven. I feel like it gives fans an opportunity to watch each game as opposed to like you know football on Sundays, like everything's on at one pretty much. I like it. You do you don't like it? No, and I, I think. Well, first of all, the three o'clock game just snuck up on me. I was sitting there. I was like, mm. "How are we in the? How are we in like the second inning of this game already?" It, it really, if you're not paying attention, and also, I feel like that one especially because one, it's in Tampa and they have a hard time getting fans, and two, because it was at three o'clock. But today's attendance for a playoff game in Tampa was nineteen thousand, and there was vi- there's so many yeah. videos going around of of it was dressed like a seat night at the Trop to quote Matt Strom. Uh, a yeah. lot of empty seats. I don't know if that's just because it was the middle of a day on a Tuesday, but Troptober did not show up in game one. That's okay, though, because uh, they have all the games are in the one location, which is my other point of contention. I forgot about that. Not a fan. Why? All the games, in, all the games are in one spot. Home field advantage. I don't know. Could we alternate it? I don't know if the travel schedules would be messed up, but I don't Why know. Do I don't, I don't know if that's travel? fair. You got to think about the players. They don't want to travel during the wild card. Three games. Well, make them travel. I would like the one game wild card, but if I can't have that, I would like it to go alternating back and forth between the cities or make it, make it a four. I don't know. Just figure it out. I don't like the fact that it's all in one city. Cause I don't think that's fair. I like it. So. I think it's nice. It gives them, <laughs> it gives the team that did better that year an advantage. True. But I'm gonna stick. I'm gonna stick with my guns on this one. 
don't, okay. think, I don't think I'm alone. Stick with your guns. <laughs> uh, let's go through. We're going to go through each wild card round series, and then we're going to do some MLB stories from around the league. Other than that, and we're going to wrap up with our MLB bracket predictions. Uh, first up, Rays Rangers, the three o'clock game, Troptober, like I just said, tough start. Uh, game one went to Texas for nothing. And I, I have thoughts, uh, but I'm wondering if you have broad overall observations from game one in Tampa. Yeah, I think the Texas Rangers needed Jordan Montgomery to do well. And he absolutely delivered, especially coming from a player that's been traded twice in the past year, absolutely insane. He's been on three different teams, Yankees, Cardinals, and now the Rangers. And they got exactly what they wanted out of him. He went seven innings, no runs, allowed like six hits, five strikeouts. He did absolutely outstanding. Also made an incredible play, probably the best play I've ever seen from a pitcher make on like that bunt play, diving play. I absolutely loved that. And especially with the year that the Rangers have been having with their pitching staff, ton of injuries with DeGrom, Scherzer. So they needed this out of Montgomery, and he absolutely delivered. And I think the Rangers are going to be smooth sailing from here. They need to take game one. Yes, I agree. Now you put the Rays in a hole where you have to, the Rays have to win two straight. Um, I guess my message to Rays and Rays fans would be, don't panic. Do not panic. The good news is, is that you will probably never have a nine-inning stretch as bad as that game because nothing went right. Four errors. That's the most the Rays have had in a game all season, and that's also the most the Rays have ever had in a postseason game. The ball was just bouncing, and Jose Siri booted it, and then he airmailed it at like 10 feet over the third base bag, and Taylor Walls and Yandi were like all off across the diamond, and the catcher missed one, and it's like, that that will not happen. The, the Rays are, are not that bad of a defensive team. They were actually top 10 in defensive run save this year. Look, that you, you get that out of the way first. You exercise those demons. You're fine. This game, you got Eflin going on game two, Savali in game three. All I'm saying is it it's still Troptober. We're fine. You're very passionate about Troptober. I'm curious as someone who is a Texas Rangers stand since the beginning of the year. Now you're bailing on the Texas Rangers. I knew this matchup would be tough for me personally, as uh, we have friends on both sides. Uh, but I just feel like the Rangers have had so many injuries this year to their starting rotation, and then the, the few starters that they have left standing. I don't know if I trust them to to finish out this series. You know, you talked about Eovaldi guy. What, uh, what what was my Eovaldi stat I had today? Uh, seven ERA in his last start, and then Dane Dunning is the leather starter. He has a five ERA in his last seven. Montgomery, he's kind of an unlikely ace. Somebody that you said, yeah, it was on three different teams over the last couple of years. It's like, he just kind of came out of nowhere, but this also feels like somebody the Yankees probably should have held on to, so that was kind of fun. Yeah, absolutely, and I think what's really ironic is I just read the athletic article that they reposted since last year, and the reason they let Montgomery go last trade deadline, that was that Harrison Bader trade, was because they said he would not factor into the rotation in the postseason. One year later, Montgomery is the game one starter in the wild card round with the Texas Rangers, and the Yankees are sitting at home watching, which just sucks. It sucks. <laughs> yeah. We, we, and Harrison Bader, 
who they got him for. They ultimately ended up putting him on waivers. He's on the Reds, and poor Harrison Bader is also not even in the playoffs. It's just the irony is remarkable. I do think, though, when teams come out and say things like that, almost lights a little bit of a spark. I mean, you could say the same thing about Tommy Pham. Like, what the hell was he doing on the Mets? And then he goes over to the Diamondbacks. He's absolutely cruising. He had, like, three home runs in his first 10 games with the Diamondbacks. I do think it lights a little bit of a fire underneath the players to actually perform and do well. So I'm I'm really happy for Montgomery. Some of the biggest playoff heroes were midseason acquisitions. Yeah. We probably could do a breakout video on that, but – some of like if you look back at some of like the World Series heroes, I remember the Rangers from the early 2010s, like Cliff Lee was midseason acquisition. Like there, there's been guys that haven't played there the entire year, but they show up and they're hired guns and have done really well. Um, also, to I'll just finish my last point is Tyler Glass now. He won't have a start as bad as he did. I know this is a thing, this is a thought if they get to the ALDS, but he had a he had a season high today in walks with five. Guy couldn't find the zone. But a couple interesting nuggets I found were that the Rangers are actually the most patient team in baseball. I was like, wow. It seems like every time I look up, Glass now is in a 3-2 count. Uh, the Rangers had a 25.5% chase rate. The, av- the average in the MLB is 28%. So these guys work in walks, work in Glass now's pitch count. Something to keep an eye on. But Zach Eflin, the guy on the bump for game two, doesn't walk anybody. So we're fine. We're fine. Okay. We'll see about that. I'm I'm betting on a nice stellar start from Avaldi. He's going to make a nice bounce back from his previous one. But I, I do think Rays will take game two. Rangers will take game three. Ooh, okay. Mark it down. Mark it down. Um, write this down. Mark it in the calendar. Write this down. Timestamp it. Uh, Timestamp. I have I have another thought, and this is also something that's been percolating today. Uh, if you looked, fan friend of the podcast, Josh Lowe, not the lineup for game one. He rode the bench. Uh, Manuel Margot started in right field. I would have liked to have seen Josh out there today. And I know that kind of runs counter to Kevin Cash's strict lefty, lefty, don't do it, platoons, all that stuff. And I actually went back and I listened to what Josh was saying when I asked him about being a platoon player in our interview a couple months ago. He says that, like, obviously he wants to be out there every day. You know, he feels like every everybody in the lineup or everybody on the Rays, like they have like their set jobs, but like he, the competitor in him wanted to be out there today. And I just think we should free Josh Lowe. Josh was fifth on the team in war this year, 292 with 20 bombs, and he doesn't play in game one of a playoff series. Not great. He's actually one for three off of Jordan Montgomery. I looked it up and I was like, Oh, okay. So 333 off the starter today if Kevin Cash wanted to do the the batter versus pitcher matchup there. Um, but also 405 lefty starters. I I would have liked to see one of the best players in the team playing and not riding the pine and being the the pinch hitter with two outs in the ninth. I don't know. That was something that kind of ate away at me. Free Josh Lowe. I I like that take, and I do think that. Josh Lowe, if he had a little bit more opportunities against left-handed hitters, like obviously if you look at the numbers, there's a huge discrepancy with his success against righties as opposed to his his success against lefties. But I do remember when we had him on, he said, well, how am I really supposed to get better against left-handed pitching if I'm just not consistently in the lineup enough to see it? But again, it was a call, I guess. Do you think Josh Lowe would have made a difference though in that game if he was in the lineup? I'll tell you why he would have made a difference because you could have changed the outfield defense a little bit. Maybe you put Josh in center or you put Manuel Margot in center. 
Jose Siri's light. He's you know he hits hits for power, but like he's a low average guy, and he made one of the worst defensive plays I've ever seen out there in center field today. I don't know. I feel like there you you need one of your best players on the field, and I know that runs counter to the whole Rays way of thinking and their their strict platoons. And Kevin Cash is very analytical and it's worked for him obviously. But let Josh eat. Let the big dog eat a little bit. I want I want to see him in game two. I want to see him in game three. Fifth on the team in war. He's like third highest position player on the team in war or something like that. It's like, come on, let's. And that's not just a homer take because we're friend, we're you know friends of the pod, Josh Lowe. But um, yeah, I don't know. That's something kind of bothered me today. I like it. I agree. Moving on, Twins, um, Blue Jays. Uh yeah. Unless there's any other Rangers Nuggets. Uh ooh, Corey Seager. Here's a here's a fun stat for you. Corey Seager owns the Rays. 2020 World Series, batted 400. This season, batted 320 against the Rays. Corey Seager might be the Rays killer, something to keep an eye on. Uh, I don't know what he did today. Uh, oh, two for four, 500. So that's a fun little storyline to keep to keep an eye on. Um, okay, Twins, Blue Jays. Blue Jays go down game one. Twins riding the hot bat of Royce Lewis. And I there's a stat, I tweeted it out today. Uh, and this we're, we might just be a Royce Lewis podcast now because this guy's awesome. Players with two homers in their first career postseason game. It's Royce Lewis. He's the first one since Evan Longoria in 2008. Wow. So, guy, guy bangs. What did you think about this one? Good for him, honestly. And for a rookie, too, like just very impressive. Also, I mean, obviously, Twins' first win since 2004. I think if you asked any single baseball fan right now, they would say, nope, I did not have any any money on the Twins actually winning game one, especially with the Toronto Blue Jays pitching staff, they, one of the best rotations, one of the best bullpens in all of baseball. So that was absolutely shocking from my perspective. What about you? Uh, I think that this matchup, it's gonna, it's one of the most even, like, if this was like a March Madness bracket, these would be this would be the eight nine matchup that you would see. It's pretty much a coin flip, just because these two teams equally do everything well. Pitching equally as equally as good. Bullpen pretty much the same. Offense. Blue Jays are limping into the postseason. Twins like they strike out so much. And I look today, and the Twins struck out eleven times. That's crazy. That's crazy. Um, I I think this is going to be the matchup of who can scratch out. These kind of games, like their runs came on solo or runs came on home runs today. But I so, feel like we see that think, a lot in the playoffs where it's 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 the home run ball and then pitching is going to win anyway. Like it's very rare you see that scrappy, you know, a lot of base hits in the postseason. Yeah, the, the teams that don't do well in the playoffs, I think back to the, you know, the, the old Orioles teams where it was like teams that only hit home runs don't necessarily do very well, but the Twins lineup looks like it's pretty healthy. They didn't have Byron Buxton today, but um, 18 consecutive playoff losses. You had to think they were going to get one of these one of these days. Um, the Blue Jays, though, I did you have who did you have winning this this wild card round? I feel like you were a Blue Jays person. I have Blue Jays. What was, what was kind of your Blue rationale Jays. for that? One of the best rotations in baseball. Great ERA with their bullpen. And I also think that the Blue Jays were just hot at the right time. Minnesota, they just played tougher opponents this season. I was very set on the Blue Jays and absolutely shocked about game one for the Twins. Yeah, I mean, 
I don't know. It, the the Blue Jays offense is just kind of lackluster. I, that's that's really what sold it for me. I I have the Twins rolling in this series. I think they go out tomorrow and get a win. Um, because if they get to Game Three, Joe Ryan hasn't really been that great. So you really gotta if you're Minnesota, you really gotta capitalize in Game Two. Um, I just think this team it, it's so close, and finally the Blue Jay, uh, the Blue Jays are gonna go down, and I think the Twins are gonna win this one. Um. Oh, here we go. Here's a here's a, here's another fun nugget for. You. I've found so many fun stats today. This might just be the fun stats episode. The Blue Jays have won two games this season in which they are trailing by four or more runs at any point. That's the third fewest in the majors and better than only the Mets and the Phillies. So, something to keep an eye on this series. If the Twins go jump out to these early leads, Toronto can't come back. All right. I guess we'll see. Keep an eye on. Uh, all right. This next series is currently going on while we're taping this. It's three to three somehow. That's sick. Uh, I looked up and did not did not see that coming. It is the Diamondbacks and the Milwaukee Brewers? Um, I'm going to say this is a revenge series. This is a revenge series for the Brewers because they've been eliminated in the first round in three consecutive postseason appearances. The last time they didn't was 2018 when they lost in Game Seven of the NLCS. Uh, I think this is the Brew Crew's year. Who who do you have winning this series? I have the Diamondbacks winning this series. I know we're picking right. opposites on all of them. I, I think that the Diamondbacks offense is so much better than the Brewers offense. I mean, they're pretty much almost the same. The D- Diamondbacks do have a slight edge. I mean, runs per game, we got the Diamondbacks have 4.6, Brewers 4.5. Average, again, 250 to 240. On base percentage, 322 to 319. So they do have the slight edge. The only thing that I have an issue with with the Diamondbacks with this series is that they couldn't start Zach Allen game one. I think that really did ultimately hurt them in the long run because if you were going Zach Allen, Merrill Kelly as your one-two punch, I was going, nobody's getting past them. On the flip side, I think this is probably my most exciting series to watch because the Brewers rotation is outstanding. Currently has, I think at the end of the regular season, had the lowest ERA in all of Major League Baseball. So it's just like a really fun pitching dual matchup. I think today is not so much as like a big necessary game because again, you have Gatlin tomorrow and then Merrill Kelly if it forces a game three. So today I'm, I think if they lose today, the Diamondbacks, they can ultimately go back to back and, and take the final two games of the series. This is a game that I circled because I thought it was so freaking interesting that the Diamondbacks, that they had to use Gallon and Kelly, like you just said, to get to where they are to get even get into the playoffs. They had to burn their two best starters. So Brandon fought. I had to Google how to pronounce his name. It's P F A A D T. Would I would have thought it was something wildly different, but he's a rookie. His ERA this season was really bad, but he. I think he's he's a fighter. You never you never give up. Like he gave up one run in the first, struck out the struck out the next three. So yeah. currently it's tied three three. I I think you're right. I think if you're the Diamondbacks, you're playing for games two and three. The Brewers' offense, though. Uh, their 705 team OPS is far below any other playoff team. Uh, but they, I'm watching this game. They have three runs right now, but I think they have just enough offense and the, the advantage overall in the pitching department, uh, to get this thing done. So also they have the best defense in baseball, if that means anything, well, it probably would have meant something if this was like a Tampa Bay Rays situation, but yeah, defense in the playoffs, very underrated. Yeah. I also That's- feel like what's really cool about this series is like, Everything just kind of goes back and forth. Like each team swings in a certain direction. Brewers were third in MLB this year with a walk rate of 9.7. Again, we always said Brewers, scrappy team. D-backs were 14th. 
But then on the flip side, Milwaukee strike out struck out quite a bit, 23.2% of the time, while the D-backs struck out 20.4% of the time, fourth lowest in the MLB. So this is just such a fun series because I think they're both pretty scrappy teams and they're really relying on those top five hitters. So it's going to it's gonna be an exciting series. But I do think if the Dimebacks win tonight, it's going to be e- easy going to the Dimebacks. That's Come the on. thing, yeah. Dallin and Kelly, like... Even if they, even if it's by some miracle they rate they hit bombs off Gallon tomorrow, they sold Merrill Kelly for game three. They're fine. It's a bummer because the Brewers really could have used Brandon Woodruff. Yes. Who's out because of, because of a shoulder injury. But I'm not worried if I'm the Brew crew because he was only there for eleven starts this season. And the team still had the be- the best ERA in baseball throughout the entire course of the season. So they know how to play without him. Wade Miley's a, a savvy veteran, so if we, if we get a game three with Merrill Kelly and Wade Miley, I'm still not worried. I'm rolling with the Brew Crew, and you know this might just be a, a Josh Donaldson revenge series. He already has a hit and a run tonight, so J- JD, JD Revenge Tour. We interrupt this episode to bring you a word from the official sponsor of Not For Long Media and the Breaking Bats podcast, the original Fudge Kitchen. It is a staple of the Jersey Shore with six locations in Cape May, Wildwood, North Wildwood, Stone Harbor, and Ocean City. The original Fudge Kitchen makes all of their fudge in-store guaranteed a delicious product, so stop by and let them know that Not For Long Media and Breaking Bats sent you. Check them out online at fudgekitchenswithans.com as they are shipping fudge and sweet treats all across the country. Now back to the episode. All right, the last wild card series is the Phillies in the Miami Marlins. I'm, we've put a clip out on our Instagram today from one of our sister shows, and I wanted to kind of echo that same sentiment. This is a the nightmare matchup if you're the Phillies. They did not want to play the Marlins. Historically, they have not played the Marlins well. This season, the Marlins had seven wins. The Phillies had six wins in their season series. The Marlins, however, they won four out of six at Citizens Bank Park where all these games are going to be played. This is a nightmare scenario. I think this series could be closer than people think. Yeah, no, I actually disagree. I think the Phillies are going to annihilate the Marlins. I think the only really thing I'm concerned with the Phillies is going to be their bullpen. But other than that, I'm very confident that the Phillies are going to succeed, especially since the Marlins don't have Alcantara and Perez. I'm I'm confident in the Phillies. To that, I would say the pitchers that they do have going, uh, Braxton Garrett and Lazardo own the Phillies. They own the Phillies. But I'm looking at some of these stats. I'm just, I mean, I have the Phillies win in this series, but I just want to give a love to the scrappy Miami Marlins and rookie skipper Skip Schumacher. Uh, try saying that 10 times fast. Kind of, kind of awesome. Um, the Marlins scored the fifth fewest runs in baseball. And they are like one of the worst power teams in baseball. Then you look at the the Phillies and Kyle Schwarber. It's kind of funny that they're playing. But I think that if you look, they're 32 and 13 in one run games this year. The Marlins are. That's the best mark in franchise history. and The second best in all of baseball. 40 of their 82 wins were comebacks. This is a team that's, it's it's on a miracle type run. This is a, like, I remember the, the Orioles one year. They had the best record in one run games in 2012. That's how they got to the playoffs. It's kind of luck based. It's kind of bullpen, it's, and it's also a little bit manager. You throw it in a pot, and you mix it all together. I think that's why the Marlins are going to have success this season or this playoffs uh, because they're, they have the one of the worst. They have the worst run differential of any playoff team in baseball. So uh, scrapping fish don't need runs. They just need heart. Okay, and to that I say, this year, the Phillies home runs rank third in all Major League Baseball. Marlins 11th, runs fourth, Marlins dead last. 
Strikeouts, fourth most, you could say. This will swing towards the Marlins, 13th most. Walks, 10th, Marlins, 14th. Stolen bases, third, Marlins, 13th. So almost every single offensive category, the Phillies are just so much better than the Marlins. And they have three hitters with 97 or more RBIs. Miami has none. I just... I'm 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 glad we're giving some love to the Miami Marlins, but I really think that the Phillies, even ERA, they are third, Marlins are eighth, whip third, Marlins are seventh. Like on paper, the Phillies are just so much better than the Marlins. I'm with you. I let me be clear. I still have the Phillies winning this series, but okay. I want to give some love to a, a band of of scrappy guys that nobody thought would be here that is are managed by just an absolute grinder and is skip Schumacher is my, my new favorite manager in major league baseball. I've been crafting this take and I've been stewing on it for a little bit. And I'm just ready to announce it to the world. Skip Schumacher is the best. He's an absolute like players manager. One of the coolest guys out there. Love his vibe. I don't know if you saw that Mets series to end out the season where he, he almost got into a fight with a, the grounds crew because the, the, they were trying to screw him on the rain delay like he thought that they didn't weren't doing a good enough job in managing the tarp and they wanted to try to get the game in before it eventually got canceled. But Skip was all up in a grounds crew member's face, like you're you're screwing us. And I've listened to his post games. Brian knows him because they were in San Diego at the same time. This is my guy. I'm rolling with Skip Schumacher. If I was buying stock in a manager right now, I'm buying all the Skip stock I can buy. And if we can give the Marlins a participation trophy for the wild card, we absolutely can. I still have the Phillies winning. I just think the fish are awesome. Uh, this game, this this is a three-game set if I've ever seen one in a wild card round. This is a back-and-forth knockout drag. This could be a rock fight is, uh, is going to be the correct term for, for what this is as Kate's ring light explodes. Yep, we're killing it today. Continue. Just We've, keep going. Technical. This, this is the grittiest podcast of all time. The, the lights are out. You know, the, we've had Kate freeze half the time. So, yeah, this is what separates the the men from the boys in terms of podcasting. All right. Um, last up, MLB stories from around the game, not related to the playoffs. Figure to be fun to end this. Our second to last thing for this week. A um, lot of managerial moves. A lot of managerial moves. Out of the recent managerial moves, which is the most interesting? Phil Nevin getting fired by the Angels. Folks show Walter getting the ax in New York or Terry Francona stepping down as the manager of the guardians. All good ones. Also just add Gabe Kapler from the giants will not be managing. Oh, oh, he's the coolest dude ever. Okay. Yeah. Also and Gabe one. Kapler. Yep. Um, I think the biggest one that surprised me was probably Buck show Walter. But again, I was reading a lot of articles about that. And from Steve Cohen's perspective, he was kind of like, gave you a shot. You did nothing with it, but 2022, they made the, the, 2022, they made the playoffs. So I wouldn't really say Bucks like done nothing for the team. I really think it was his time to go. But Mets fans were absolutely in an uproar on social media saying, like, yeah, he should have been gone a long time ago. And it's like, you made the postseason last year. Like, what are you whining about? I, I, he can't go out there and produce the talent for them. I think that one was the most surprising. Phil Nevin, I mean, yeah, that was, what, what else were you? We have to. You gotta, like, from that you perspective. Yeah. Gabe Kapler. I didn't really see that one coming, but apparently Giants fans, all my Giants fans kind of knew that was coming. And Terry, I love from the Guardians. Like that one's just, I love him. I think he's a great, he's a great manager. I thought he was fantastic last year, especially when they were in the postseason. But I think the biggest surprise to me was probably Buck. 
that was the biggest surprise for me. All the other ones make a lot of sense. It's sad about Terry Francona. I know he's a lot of, had a lot of health problems. And did you see somebody stole his scooter again? What? It, where is Terry parking the scooter in Cleveland that it, it's been stolen for a second time? And apparently this time he got it back and somebody defecated all over it. So That's messed up. I want I want Terry to to go and, and live on a somewhere far far away from the city and where his scooter he can ride it on the back roads and not have to worry about it getting stolen every time he turns around. So. Um, I'm happy for Terry, and uh, he said he's like not done. Done. He's like I'm not retiring, which is weird because it's it very very much seems like a retirement. But yeah, we, we, it remains to be seen what happens with with Tito, one of the all time best managers in baseball history. I think my most surprising though was right. It was or maybe not surprising, but interesting it was Buck. Yeah, it was. He said something funny. It was just his time to go, and it's it's very funny to think about that, but. You're right, because this is a team that won 100-plus games last year, made it to the playoffs, did what all the other managers the Mets had had recently hadn't done. But it's it's not that interesting because of like the move itself, because you're right, like David Stearns, the new president of baseball operations, like he wanted to bring his guy in. Buck wasn't his guy. That part's not that interesting. What's interesting is what's going to happen now, like the next manager of the New York Mets. It's a big job. It's a big market. Oh, uh, I'm all over the place today with with um, crazy stats. If this is Buck's last managerial stop, do you know what his last move as manager was? What? Uh, he, it was a pitching change. He took out Danny Reyes and he put in Anthony K. Oh, the shout out Breaking Bats! I love that. Well, Breaking Bats connection. Uh, Anthony K was the last managerial move potentially of Buck Showalter's historic. MLB managerial career. Yeah. Uh, so shout out front of the pod, Long Island, That's Long Island awesome. swagger zone. Yeah. Anthony K. Um, Craig council though. I'm watching the Brewers right now. Craig council might just be the next manager of the New York Mets. There's a lot of smoke behind this story. I don't know if you've seen. Have it please. So council's in the last year of his contract with the Brewers. He was like quoted. Somebody asked him about it. He's like, Hey, contracts up. I want, I'm interested in talking to everybody. So it very much seems like he's going to go team up with his old boss, David Stearns, who used to be the Brewers, like GM, a special assistant. He had a bunch of titles. Um, those two seem like they work really well together. I think you're going to see this offseason a Craig Council managerial switch, and he's going to go to Flushing, Queens. Um, wow. So, okay. That's a bold prediction. Yeah. I like it. Council's a very good manager. Yeah. I'm about it. So we'll have to get Will Salmon back on if that, if that news ever breaks. Breaking yeah. Bats is New York Mets correspondent. Um, one of the best. The GOAT, Will Salmon. Um, okay, next up. Out of the recent players that were, were either officially going to be retired, unofficially very much rumored to be retired, and had curtain calls, which was the saddest? Adam Wainwright, Brandon Crawford, Zach Greinke, Joey Votto, or Miguel Cabrera? I think the most emotional one for me was probably Miggy, just because of the kids announcing him out, the whole farewell tour. Obviously, Miggy's had such a historic career, future Hall of Famer. That was probably the saddest for me, but also seeing Zach Renke just melt it. Like, that made me so upset. And the broadcast saying, like, he changed the game of baseball. He went out and said to the media, like, yeah, I'm taking a step back. I have anxiety. I have depression. Like, this is the reasoning behind all of it and made that okay. It was such a huge step for all mental health advocates. So I love that about Zach Greinke. And 
I really hope he does come back, but I know he is rumored to be retiring. Even, I mean, I'm not a big Giants fan. Brandon Crawford, Giants fans were very upset about that as well. But Adam Wainwright, like what? Gosh, I love Adam Wainwright. And I even, I think he's so cool, but he's going to be good. He's going to be singing the guitar. He's going to be going to local dive bars, singing away. So I'm I'm excited about Wainwright's retirement. But I think, yeah, the saddest for me was probably Greg Key or Mickey. How often do you see a guy walk off into the sunset and come back two hours later with a plaid flannel shirt? And it's like, hey, guys, I'm going to play some songs for you now. Like, you just, you never see that. So, uh, actually, have you listened to Adam Wainwright singing? I actually haven't. Is he I did, he yeah. I, I did a video on it. Yeah, he's actually pretty good. Because he sang at okay. a charity event. So, I I, uh, I did a video on it last year. People were saying he just looks like a country singer. So, that's... He's already got that part down. All he needs now is just put the plaid shirts back on and, and go out and hit the honky-tonks. Um, yeah. My, I mean, I think my top choice is probably Joey Votto, uh, which I just, I just did a video about that. I don't I don't want Joey Votto to retire. Um, I think I think he's still got a lot left in the tank. Guy still bangs because, uh, the you know, the whole Joey Votto bangs thing. Um, my, probably the saddest one for me, though, was Zach Greinke. And what really changed my mind and really swayed me in this decision was I, I I saw the clip of his post game locker room interview, Grinkies, and from the first like first time he spoke, I was like, "Gosh," he said, uh, "quote The game was nice," and he said, "There are a lot of people here today," and I was like, "Oh, this is we can't we can't lose this we can't lose this this character in the game of baseball." And then he got really emotional. He's like talking about like it was cool to see his kids like. He went out to like the corner of the dugout and he was talking to his kids who were right there. And he gets, you know, he could see his eyes light up and his personality shift a little bit when he's talking about how much he loves his kids. So um, I think that one probably got me the most. I'm just, I'm just sad that we're not going to have any more Zach Greinke moments around the game of baseball. Yeah. There's, there's so many good ones. It's, it's depressing, honestly. Somebody reposted the one about him and his teammate going back and forth about dogs versus cats. Like we, we did the video about Zach Greinke's stories and, I don't know. Every every time I see a Zach Ranky story or a quote, I, I I read it and I laugh every time. So, um, yeah. twenty years though, twenty years in the majors for Zach Ranky. Crazy Pretty good. Oh, one of four Pretty players good. to do it. Cy Young, two hundred plus wins, everything. So, uh, Zach Ranky, if this is the end. Also, I think it's hilarious. He he got his second win of the year, and that was his first win since May. Yeah. That's how bad the Royals are. You couldn't get our guy Zach a single W since May. It sucks. Five months ago. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay. Couple more. David Stearns. We talked about him a little bit. Uh, new president of the New York Mets. He's had a quote. I expect Pete Alonso to be the Mets' opening day first baseman next year. Do you buy that? Yes. I don't think Pete's going anywhere. I absolutely do not. Do not think Pete's okay. going anywhere. You think he's leaving? I'm very skeptical because I've heard this a lot where people say one thing and then just do another in sports. So I, I still think they shop him. I do. Okay. Nothing, nothing has changed about his contract situation, how old he's going to be. He's going to be 29 next year. He's going to be on last year arbitration eligible. He's going to probably get a 20 plus mil. Also, here's a fun little rumor for you. Uh, Bruce Levine, 670, the scores. He said, quote, I think it's the Chicago radio guy. The mumbling out there is the Cubs are going to do everything they can to trade for Pete Alonzo. Can the you Cubs. imagine? Chicago Cubs. Uh, I, mm, okay. 
I don't see him there at all. I just, I personally cannot picture Pete anywhere but a New York Mets jersey. So I think he's staying with Mets. But maybe they'll shop him. I'm curious to see. I mean, even when that Brewer news came out at the trade deadline, that was pretty surprising. Yeah, especially because there's pretty pretty solid momentum to trade him. Like, yeah. I feel like those thoughts, like Billy Epler, the guy who was trying to trade him, still there. So I, I, I thought it was weird that he was like very unequivocally, he will be my first baseman opening day next year. I don't buy it. Yeah. I don't buy it. Um, couple more. Tommy Pham. Couldn't be a, a Breaking Bats podcast without talking about talking about Tommy Pham. Again, I want it on the record. I want no smoke from Tommy Pham. I'm a Tommy Pham fan. I think I think there's podcasts in general. So I feel like anytime we talk about Tommy, we have to preface it with where I want it on the record. Yes. I want nothing to do with Tommy Pham. Um, he was talking today in Milwaukee. He said he has been dealing with turf toe, which is why he is only DHing uh in the wild card round today. Uh, but he had a because of his turf toe, he benched a player on his fantasy team uh, who also had turf toe. And I, there's a fantastic quote. Tommy said, "Quote: I've never had turf toe. I can only tell you it's painful. It's something. It's something. I don't know how football players are doing it. Granted, we play every day, and and they don't. And I was making my fantasy lineup, and I was like, I can't start him. He's got turf toe. I know what it feels like. The guy goes out and puts up 20 points, and I'm like, damn, how is he doing it? I'm DHing because of it." So very relatable. Also very funny that it was a fantasy football decision with Tommy Pham. Yes. Yes. I love Tommy Pham. So. I think he's great. I think he goes right after it. He has the best quotes, best lines to the media. He's fantastic. Very, very, very funny. Very ironic that uh, we, we get a Tommy Pham fantasy football update um, this far into the season. So uh, yeah, turf toe is no joke. I don't quite know what it is. Um, so but apparently, if it's making you DH and can't really run that well, it's probably pretty bad. Yeah. I don't know. Um, okay, last up, bracket time. Kate, uh, it was funny because I went in Photoshop and made my bracket nice and polished, and I had graphics. And I was like, Kate, fill out a playoff bracket for me. And she fills it out, and it was as if it was like, you ever seen the bench warmers where it says, I am 12 or in crayon? That's pretty much what Kate's bracket looks like. That is exactly what my bracket looks like. It's been it's been a very rough couple of days. But been, here's what hey, we got. Yeah, let's let's hear it. Here's my postseason 2023 bracket. Blue Jays, twins. I was going Blue Jays. Rangers, Rays. I went uh Texas Rangers. And then Blue Jays, Astros, Astros, Rangers, Orioles. I'm going Orioles. NL, Diamondbacks, Brewers. I went D-backs. Marlins, Phillies going Phillies. And then Phillies, Braves. I went Braves, D-backs, Dodgers, went Dodgers. In the World Series, I am going Orioles against the Braves, and I have the Orioles winning. Write it down. Okay. Mark it in your calendars. Mark it the down. Orioles are winning the World Series. Go ahead, Justin. I, I just think it's hilarious that the Orioles fam, the person from Maryland who has grown up an Orioles fam, and myself, um, mm -hmm. I'm very, I'm very realistic and okay. this is no slight to the Orioles. I've watched every game. I ride and die with them. Um, but my bracket looks a little different. So in my bracket in the wild card round, I have the twins beating the blue Jays. I have the Rays beating the Rangers. I have the Brewers beating the diamondbacks and the Phillies beating the Marlins in the divisional series. I have the Astros beating the twins. I have the Rays beating the Orioles. 
I have the Dodgers beating the Brewers, and I have the Braves beating the Phillies. And the championship series, I have the Rays beating the Astros and the Braves beating the Dodgers. And then the World Series will be Tampa, Atlanta, and Tampa Bay. For the first time in franchise history, will walk away World Series champions. Um, I'm very, I don't know. I want Pete and Josh to get a ring. Uh, apparently more so than the hometown Baltimore Orioles. So a lot's going on right now. But I just, I love the O's. They're going to be good for a long time. This is year one of playoff contention. There'd be plenty more World Series is where this came from. So I want that out on the record as well. Okay. I disagree, but I respect it. I respect the race. I mean, it doesn't look great that they dropped game one. It doesn't look great that they'd lost behind their ace, Tyler Glass now today, but um, that's why it's best out of three. Anything could happen. Yeah. Yeah. Except for your bracket, which again was done in crayon. Um, Yes. I would love, look, I would love to see the Orioles win the world series. Nothing would make me happier. 1983, 2023, you know, there's yeah. a lot of, a lot of, uh, storylines to be written there, but I don't think, I don't think we have the dudes just yet. And that's okay. Yeah. I think October baseball, anything can happen, but anything we arrived at the happen. Orioles. Anything can happen. Everyone thought well, the Dodgers last year, were going to make it pretty far. They got knocked out the first round. I'm that's feeling a good, good point. Who, who had a, a Padres Phillies NLCS last year? I, I didn't. Not me. Certainly not, not me. me. I had the Mariners winning the World Series in my in my playoff bracket last year, um, so okay. they were booted in the wild card round too. So don't listen to anything I just said. Kate's probably going to be the one that is more accurate. So um, it's the best time of year. It's my favorite thing. We're gonna have some guests coming up. A lot of playoff baseball talk uh, to go around. Uh, so thank you all for listening, and we'll see you all next week. And before we get out of here, a special thank you to the band Stick Figure for allowing us to use today's intro and outro music.